0: All right, guys, welcome back to The Forging Table. The mission of Undaunted Life is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So at The Forging Table, you'll see a group of regular guys forging spiritual resilience by digging into God's Word, and we're welcoming all of you to come along on the journey with us. So, guys, before we get into Galatians 5... We do need to do some introductions because we got a newbie at the table, as you guys remember me talking about uh, in my little intro episode. So we're going to have kind of a mixture of guys coming in at different times. So no, Matt did not get fired. He will be back on this. But you guys got to meet Ryan last time and you got to meet Eric Browning. They were with us on the last four episodes, but Derek England. You were here in this new one. So you've got two minutes to answer these three questions. Okay? Two minutes. I can't do the math. How quick is that per question? I I will just start looking at you awkwardly uh, the closer you get to two minutes. So when and how did you become a Christian? How do you like to study the Bible?
1: And how does your brain work? Go. Okay. Uh, Became a Christian early. I was probably 12 or 13 at a Methodist summer camp. How about that? That was it. Yeah. It's pretty specific. Um, And then, uh, but that was early, young, you know, as you grow up. My faith became my own probably late teens, early 20s, dug into it. Uh, how do I like to study the Bible? I do it in what's called an inductive study. Uh, you start, you look at the details of the study, and then you put the details together for larger themes or uh, look at what the Word is saying, and then you, do, you look at it yourself. Hey, what, what does this say about God? What does this say about me? And how does this change me in relation to God? Because God's not changing. Uh, and my brain works, I would say, low and slow, Kyle. Um, <laughs> low and slow.
0: I'm fast and quick. That, that's why he's uh, he's basically staring at me. We And Derek and I have known each other for a very long time. We were on the same scholarship program in college. He had just left the program when I came into the program and so been around for a while and you know I kind of edified everybody last time when I said you know kind of what you would bring to the group but part of that low and slow is why I wanted you to kind of be a part of this group because there are things in the scripture that I just want to quickly understand and get to and you love to kind of chew on something and kind of see what you can parse out in the long term and so there's there's a lot of wisdom there but it's it's kind of a measured slow wisdom so guys with that let's go ahead and uh, jump into Galatians 5 here over the next couple of episodes we're going to be finishing up the book of Galatians and we we obviously spent a lot of time on the first four chapters and you know guys one thing i noticed as i was going through galatians 5 is like how is it possible that there's so much packed into because if you just take away all the, the the verses and all the chapters or whatever and just look at it as one long letter like this is not a very long letter and there's so much there but you know galatians 5 is just a continuation of paul's overall theme of okay you know justification by grace through faith alone, not all this other extra stuff. Um, but really, even the first part of Galatians 5, I'll just read the first couple of verses here, and then we'll, we'll kick it off. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. And I just really like how he's, he's talking about it, and he's, he keeps banging home the point of you keep trying to add stuff. And like getting circumcised is not going to get you where you want to be. So let's just kick it off from there.
2: Yeah. Go for it, Derek.
1: Well, yeah. I would say. Come on, new guy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Hop in. First off, I'll just say it, that's good news for me. Uh, that circumcision is not going to add anything to the value of Christ. I think that's good news for all guys.
0: Yeah, probably.
2: <laughs> yeah. For the uncircumcised anyway. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true.
0: We don't want devil circumcision. Yeah, Nobody wants that.
2: Yeah, I, um, I, I took away from that. Um, collection of verses that we're, we're delivered from this present evil age, we're delivered from our personal nature, and then we're delivered from the curse of the law. And that, that's also very good news. You know? and, th- and that was originally when we were going through chapter two and chapter three, that's when we addressed those. So it's just kind of like a reiteration. He's like, come on, guys. Like, why did Christ come? He came to set us free, right? It's, it's, not, it's not hard. Right. So I'll say, catching up, being the first guy here
1: or being the new guy here, uh, it is what you're saying, Eric, is right. I mean, one, two, three, and four, Galatians one, two, three, and four is all about imparting that wisdom and understanding that it is, we're free of the curse of the law. And that's powerful stuff. I think carry that into chapter five in the back of your mind. And it is Paul's overarching theme throughout the entire thing. It's just frustration with these Galatians of falling back into what are they called Judaizers? I think it was. Yeah. And so reminding myself, reminding others and Paul reminding them that, Hey, we're free from the curse of the law and we don't have to follow the law itself
3: for the law plus Jesus. Yeah. What I love about five though, is I like to put two words together about five freedom and flesh. So we're looking at this first part. We're talking about our freedom through salvation, through grace alone. But then we also got to think of, um, When we look at the law, it makes us look at our flesh, you know, like this is what we do in the flesh as non-believers, but this is what righteousness looks like within the law. We'll never get that based upon what we do. That's why we need salvation by grace alone, but it's a good thing to look at when I'm needing to put my flesh into check.
0: I think even beyond that, I mean, when you start getting into, I mean, verse six for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. But Mm -hmm. we, and that really bleeds over into verse seven is like, we, we think that we know better and it's like, okay, it just can't be that simple. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. That's the message overall. But you know, I've been, I've been around the block a few times. Like, I think that, you know, there's some extra there because verse seven is you were running well, like who hindered you from obeying the truth. Right. And it's almost just kind of like, you know, for all of us, you know, we have kids at kind of different ages. And so for mine, they don't really understand these conversations, but it's like, Hey, you were doing so well at, in this subject or, or in this class, or you were abiding, you know, the house rules so well, what in the world happened? And then, you know, as parents, it's like, okay, there's probably some bad friend influences happening. Maybe there's a television show. Like I just, you know, found out, you know, Peppa Pig, you know, cause you're trying to figure out what, ki- you know, cartoons your kids are allowed to watch. And like, found out not only is there like scenes in Peppa Pig where there's two mommies, but also they're like, no, no, no. Peppa Pig is teaching kids to always talk back to their parents because mm-hmm. that little rotten pig, you know, is always talking back to mom and dad. And so all of a sudden, if you're a kid, if you're just like blindly letting them watch something, all of a sudden they're, they're changing because everything else is happening. So that's what I kind of feel like Galatians, what he's describing here is like all of a sudden there, there's a hindrance that wasn't there before
1: and why in the world is it there now? Yeah. So I'll add to that, Kyle. <clears throat> so um, vocationally, I help run a ministry and we talk about family. And a lot of what we talk about is parenting as well. And, and something that we say in parenting, this is not an exact science, but it's a general concept, is that what determines how your children turn out is typically a third of their hardwiring. That's just personality. That's mm-hmm. the way they're hardwired. Kyle, you've got two kids, two boys. I think you'll find as they get older, um, even though they came from the exact same situation environment their personalities will be it could be you can already tell that now right really really young Mm -hmm. yeah so a third of it is wiring a third of it is parenting this is your input this is kelsey's input this is our input into our kids lives and then the other third is what you were talking about that's their peers and their experiences and you can apply that here as paul is is talking about to the galatians like who You were running so well. Who hindered you? What happened? Mm -hmm. And so he has to come back and say, as a parent, you know, in, in, I think it's chapter four that he talks about. Hey, uh, the law was a tutor, right? A guardian, somebody who who taught us along the way. That's I see Paul as that parenting impact here, saying, "Oh, time out, time out. I understand your personality. I'm serving as a parent to lead you and guide you. But where's the influence coming from? Who hindered? What
3: happened? Do you think as human beings are persuaded in the fact that, hey? I can actually do this and this is something I've done to kind of create my own salvation, you know, like, Oh, if I go get circumcised, that's an act of showing that, you know, I'm obedient rather than just putting all of your love and faith into grace. Like Christ did on the cross.
2: Well, it was a tradition, right? I mean, they were just following tradition. Yeah. Yeah. It's just fall into line. It's what we do. We've been doing it for a long time. I, mean, well,
3: go ahead. Yeah. I went through like a, a time of messiatic Judaism. So, You know, like it was really cool kind of seeing how they do things. Uh, You know, they worshiped on Friday, uh, didn't do anything on Saturday, kind of observed the Sabbath, but it fell back into those traditions. But the great thing about it was it was faith alone is what they believed, but they did want to fall into the traditions of the Jewish culture, which was interesting to look at, but they didn't make that the way to to salvation.
0: Well, obviously in the first Four of these, when we were talking through Galatians, we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, Calvinist theology and how oh. that compares to a lot of different things, and you're kind of the resident, you know, uh, representative of that theology. So it's interesting that that point of view and that question would come from you because it's like, okay, that is very, very strict theology of grace through faith. Like you can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Like you can't even reach out your hand to grab God's hand to be lifted up. Like none of that. Like you were basically a robot that you were predestined to do this, all those different things. I'm describing this exactly (laughs) how it is. I'm not throwing in any jabs or anything like that, but like to, to the, to a certain degree, it's, that is the most pure form of that ideology. Like I feel like what Paul Mm -hmm. is saying in Galatians where it's like nothing, you can't do anything because again, circumcision is not a nothing. For, for, you know, adult yeah, males right. that are not circumcised. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, that's yeah. something. And so if you're thinking to yourself, like you've been on this planet for 35 years and then all of a sudden, you know, this person's telling you, yeah, 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 Jesus, but we also need to chop your pee-pee. And it's like, wait a minute. And, but if you do that and you're like, dude, I'm super good because like I did this as an adult, like look how dedicated right, I am. Right. Like it's well, a different level.
3: And then look at, you know, the Arminian argument. It's like, okay, it's Jesus and let me give you my hand, Lord you know, I'm going to grab your hand rather than no, I'm going to pull you out of the water. That's what, that's what Christ did on the cross. He pulled us out of the water, you know? And so that's where it comes down to. Like, what were these guys thinking in their minds? Was this their way of grabbing onto the hand to get themselves circumcised? So are you, are you thinking like this would be
2: similar to some of our early, the early, uh, not prophets. What am I trying to think of just uh, early church leaders and, and things where, where they, I mean, some of them would make themselves eunuchs, you know, they would, they would take things way literally, they chop off their, their hand. I, know, think, I
3: think I think uh, Paul goes into that. No, he, he, does, yeah, he, he does. He absolutely does. Yeah, so let's just let's go into it. <laughs> Verse
0: eleven and twelve here. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. And yeah. so the ESV, I don't really like that translation as much. It literally the word is castrate. Like, Mm -hmm. why don't you go ahead and castrate yourselves? Cause that is going to remove all temptation and and all issues that you could potentially have to go ahead and castrate. And it's an exclamation point. Right. And so like, that's the thing right there is like, I literally wrote in my little note Bible, big mad. Like yeah. he's big mad right now yeah, because it's like, you know, cause what is it, you know, it's better, uh, to, oh gosh, I'd have a millstone tied around your neck and cast yeah, into the right, sea. Right, like, right, right, like, that's like that's big, mad, like that's big, mad talking. So is this to where it's like, look at this point in the letter, he's been talking about this, talking about this, talking about this. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? Go ahead and just castrate yourselves. Yeah. Like that would be better than for you to be misled. By all, or to mislead all these other people. Like
1: I, yeah. I thought that was an incredible moment of showing like righteous anger, of course. Okay, so Ryan, back to your first question. Is oh, yeah. Is this, could this be, or could circumcision be a, an act of these believers who want to participate in their faith?
3: It's like Grace Plus. Right,
1: Grace Plus, right? Yeah. What, how do you see that play out today? Do you see that play out today? Oh, yeah, believers? I see it all the
3: time. Like what, how, how do you see that? You see it in legalism arguments in regards to, hey, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't cuss. And then you see it in moralist arguments, you know, I'm the church that's out there feeding the poor all the time. You know, uh, you need to go out there and do this or whatever social economic thing you want to go after. It's grace plus, you know, it's not like, Hey, let's have, let's just talk about what Christ did on the cross. Let's talk about salvation. Let's talk about, let's what, let's, let's discuss salvation. Let's look at grace, but what else am I doing? You know, and that's, I think that's what drew me to. You know, I hate using the term Calvinism because it's. I'm a Christian. No, you I'm don't. Not, no, no. It's I, like your I, favorite I, word. I would prefer to use Reformed. Mm. Okay, so. sorry. Still Reformed. Need to be great. Everybody, write that down
0: in your notes. He would like to be referred to as Reformed Horn. Reformed, Reformed, Reformed Horn. So, reformed <laughs> horn. Reformed horn. Yeah. so uh,
3: okay. but no, Calvinism is like when I point out Calvinism, I'm pointing out you know my train of thought on God's sovereignty. You yeah. know, this is where I'm going to. I'm leading you where I'm going to go when I make a defense. You know, but in a Reformed aspect is it's like, it's not about me. Like, that's the problem with Christianity today, is in even with the books and everything, it's about you. It's not about you. It's never been about you. The whole Bible has nothing to do with you and everything to do with Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross, you know? And so that's where it comes down to. That's why Reformed theology really came to me and, you know, and really pulled me in was like, I'm not going to be able to do anything. And I have a God who loves me so much that he pulled me. Out of the water, and he opened my eyes to the beauty of not only what his son did on the cross and what he did for me, but also the beauty of his law. You know, it's like, yeah, the law is bad. We we can get Pharisaical with the law, but the law is there as a mirror for us to look at ourselves and know why we need a savior. And so it's a it's a double edged sword, and it's something that you know we as a church need to look at that that way. Instead of looking down on people and holding people up to the law, we don't hold people up to the law. You know what? I'm going to hold up to the law. I'm going to hold up my Christian brothers up to the law. And I'm going to use that to see what they're doing fruitfully. And if they're not being fruitfully, I want to come to them with love. You know, I mean, we'll go into brotherly love here in Galatians and I'm going to come to them in love and I'm going to talk to them. And I hope they would do the same for me, you know? So I don't want to go too far off and do... No, uh, it's
0: actually good because it does really lead into uh, 13 through 15 because we're talking about freedom here. And usually that's the big sticking point mm-hmm. if you're having that Armenian reformed or Calvinist yeah. debate is freedom or things like that. But when you, when you look through uh, 13 through 15, um, it, there's, there's a lot that's being described, but I feel like everybody gets... The, the, the certain part wrong. So I'll just read 13 and 14 for you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Again, there's a flesh thing coming through, Oof. but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word or one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then I'll go ahead and read 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And so people will read that entire segment or this is in my opinion. So y'all can check me on it. They'll read that entire section right there. And the words that they will pull out are freedom. Freedom's used twice in Mm -hmm. verse 13. And they're like, wait, that's my excuse for libertinism. I'm going to do whatever I want because I have freedom. And as long as I'm not, quote unquote, hurting anyone that's fine. And then you start getting into conversations about church hurt. You get into conversations about what is love actually, not the movie, but like what is love in the, in the real and most true sense. Um, was that the first rom-com reference at the forging table? (laughs) So I thought it was well-placed way, way to go. I, I've been planning that one for months. So I'm glad we got that in, Mm -hmm. but like when, when people are like, Oh, aren't Christians just supposed to love? And that's, they would translate that to mean, Hey, leave me alone while I'm sinning. Mm -hmm. Will you just let me sin, please? You're making me feel bad, that type of thing. But like, it does really open us up to like, okay, what do we mean by freedom? What what we mean by freedom doesn't matter. What does God through Paul mean when he's talking about freedom?
3: And when he's talking about freedom here, he's talking about your freedom is through his salvation. You don't have to go through the law anymore. You are saved by grace alone. Doesn't matter what you do once you're saved, you have the freedom to like, Discuss Arminianism. You, you know, like when we discuss Arminianism and Calvinism, you know, I don't look at my Arminian brother and be like, you know, that dude's going to hell, you know, um, Christian you know. freedom, you know, like, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> think that person's going to hell at all. I'm like, I think we're going to laugh about it in heaven. Uh, one thing that's a big uh, no, no for me is, you know, uh, a church being led by a female senior pastor. You know, some people are okay with that. I actually grew up in a church that was very egalitarian, uh, would not go to a church that's egalitarian now. But I would, I would still put that on to Christian freedom that for other churches to do that. I'm not going to get worried about their salvation uh, or being saved by grace alone. There's Christian freedom in that. So
0: I, I think—
1: I guess— I, go, go ahead, Derek. Okay, I, so, yeah. so I've got a different spin on freedom or the way that I interpret that, yeah, right? Okay. Because as I, you are called to freedom. What is freedom and wh- how do you get to freedom? Well, freedom—the um, cost of freedom is discipline. The cost of freedom is discipline, sure. and, and mm-hmm. freedom is the fruit of discipline. It yeah. goes both ways on that, right? And so we are, a dis- we, we are disciplined to the law of Christ and loving one another, and that calls us to freedom because we're free. As Paul references in other scriptures, we are, before Christ, we were what? We were a slave to sin. Yeah. And so Christ, through Christ's uh, life, death, and resurrection, that's what paid for our freedom. And so it is not a uh, freedom in our actions, but I think it is a freedom from being a slave to sin, but Christ paid the price, and so we're now a slave to Christ. But in that discipline to the law of Christ is the freedom. That's how I interpret it, right?
2: Yeah, but you're in Christ, and so you should have the Holy Spirit, and it should be then the Holy Spirit that's leading and guiding, right? So Mm So it's less about having to try to obey laws, it's more about living within the love I'm not getting. I'm not going too far on that, but living within that love that He provides and the um, and 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 the guidance and the, you know the wisdom and all of that. If that does that make sense? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. you. Yeah. And the other thing I, too I, yeah.
3: is cultural differences. You know, we're talking to you know Galatia here. You know, I'm sure there're cultural differences differences in in the in in Ephesus or than the Romans, and so. You know, I th- I think we're talking about cultural difference between, you know, the Jewish people and the people of Galatia, you know, so you have freedom in your cultural references in regards to the law. So like. They probably didn't get circumcised, you know, um, and so they don't need to get circumcised, even though that's a Jewish tradition. So to be a believer. And so I think that's where they kind of open up on Christian freedom as well.
2: Yeah. And I think like I don't have a I don't have a sign in my living room that says. Please do not spit on the floor. Right, right. Yeah. It's not there. It's because it's implied that I'm not going to do that. I love my house. I mm-hmm. respect my house. You know. So um, I think that's part of it. You know, is when we become believers, it's, it's not like we need to have. We do have. There are rules. There are laws yeah. that make sense. But we are we obeying them because of and out of love. If that makes sense. Uh, right.
1: Yeah. yeah. And and let me add to that. When I say discipline, I do not mean discipline to Mosaic law. That's not what I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm referencing more to towards. The discipline of the Holy Spirit that lives in us—that's moving us and growing us uh, um, towards sanctification, yep. right? It's because we love the Lord and we love Christ and we love one another that we mm. will hey, discipline our bodies. I mean, Paul talks about disciplining his body, so, his, disciplining his body, so he is not like one boxing at the air, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. not not here in in Galatians, but he references that somewhere else, and so that is what we're to do. We we Kyle, this is why I love Undaunted is because you are not leading men to become Christians or to lead a deeper Christian life so that they can have complete and total freedom and just go do what they want. Right. No, you're mm-hmm. leading men to that so that they can push back darkness, but that is spiritually, mentally, and physically. And all three of those things take discipline. And they take disciplines right. so that they can have the freedom to go push back darkness.
0: Right. And that that's exactly the point is you have freedom to do those things. Just because you have the freedom to do it does not mean you are equipped to do it. And so right, that's why Jim. we talk about equipping men to push back darkness. And so, because it's kind of like some people, well, I'm called to do this. It's like, well, do your skill sets and your passions and all that, do all that meet in the same direction of the thing you feel like you're called to do? Right. Is, it, is it possible that you're mistaken? Like that's a great question to ask people. Are you possible? Is it possible that you're mistaken? But I think this uh, this whole freedom part comes back, and I think I mentioned this on um, previous episodes. You know, it goes back to what C.S. Lewis talks about in *Mere Christianity* about you know creating a world full of robots or automata or automatons is not really a world worth creating. But when you're given the freedom to do anything, one of those things you'll have the freedom to do is to love. Mm-hmm or to hate, or to lift up, or to destroy, and so you're given the freedom of the dichotomy, and I guess you get to pick which side you're going to end up on, and this, I guess this kind of comes back down, I I don't want to, you know, move off the freedom thing, if y'all have more to say, but then it starts getting into, it really tees up, when we're talking about fruits of the spirit, but we don't even get to the fruits of the spirit, until we get into the things that will keep us from inheriting the kingdom, so I think that we could spend quite a bit of time there, but like, you know, do y'all have anything else to say on the freedom side, because I feel like that's, that's very, very important
2: uh eric no i'll yeah. go I'll, I'll go back just yeah. a little bit if you don't mind verse yeah, four i just because it's it's just kind of it's just out there it's like well some, somebody's gonna have a question it says you are severed from christ you who will be justified by the law who have fallen away from grace i don't i don't think we should just blow through that like what from a or from more of a like lose your salvation not lose your salvation can we just as a group maybe clarify what we what we think about that
3: yeah, I don't think it's about losing salvation. I think it's more about you're, you're taking away God's grace. Because he goes back to that when he talks about Christ at the cross. You know, and he's like, when you go and you circumcise yourself, you're, you're, and you do it through legal means, because you're legally trying to do it, um, that you're basically taking away what Christ did at the cross. And so from there, I, I think he's saying, like you're putting your faith in your circumcision, you're not putting your faith into the grace. Of salvation and so you push that grace away doesn't mean you know there's things that i've done in my life that i pushed away god's grace or i i pushed away what he's wanted me to do because i listened to my flesh rather than to the holy spirit and that doesn't mean that my salvation fell away it's just that i idolized something more than i should have idolized him so and they're idol they're basically idolizing circumcision so
1: yeah, I, I agree with Ryan here. Um, <clears throat> I don't think it is a, in my personal opinion, I don't feel like it's a losing salvation, but it is a separating of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, if you look at, so you're talking about verse four, but if you look at verse three, which Kyle read as well, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. And and that right there, I underlined when I was reading that because it is the whole law. We're talking all 613 or 618 Uh, rules and requirements, right? And so if you choose one, that's where, and you guys might have talked about this a couple weeks ago, but that is where our Western brains don't compute Uh with this essentially Eastern mentality of we see laws as each individual separate law, right? So there's 613 laws. Well, that's fine. I kept 610 of them. Well, under that, Paul references, no, you broke the law. It's as bad as breaking any of them, right? For us, we think of, hey, there's speeding laws on the road, which is completely different than murdering yeah. somebody. Um, and so for here, I think he's saying, if you're obligated to keep the whole law, and he referenced previous in, in, in Galatians uh, 3 and 4, that you are cursed under the law, and it's only through Jesus that he breaks that curse. And so it, it is, if you choose the law, you're separating consciously separating yourself from a relationship
2: with Jesus. I like that. One of the things that um, I I was reminded of is this kind of this word picture um, of a a son asking his dad, can I borrow the car, go out? And uh, dad says, okay, here are the keys. And so he goes out. Well, in the process of coming home, he accidentally bumps into a car and dents the back bumper and um, comes home doesn't say anything, goes in, and just does his thing. Next day happens. uh, Dad and son don't say anything. Clearly, by this point, the dad knows something, um, but the son is not fessed up. So in that moment, the dad has not stopped loving his child, his son. That's not what's going on. But there is a wedge there because there's something that has been unspoken and unresolved, um, and so there, there's still love between the two, but one needs to fess up, you know, uh, to have that relationship restored. Yeah. I was just thinking of it along the same line. So I didn't have any disagreement, just the, the idea of kind of walking away from that grace. That's just right there. You have it. it you're going to end up flat on your back. You know, at, at camp, we used to call it FOB flat on back. Well, that's, that's how we operate. I think whenever we try to do this on our own and it's just exhausting really. And so I, I, I find out oftentimes when I'm trying to do. Things on my own power. I'm trying to plus one it um, that I, I find that I just end up flat on my back. Well, so
0: what I, I feel like all this, so that, that's a great point, Eric. And Derek, so I'm going to mess y'all's names up. I'm going to oh, switch them up right. at some point, and I've known you guys literally forever. But what I think this brings up, and this was something as I was kind of studying and looking back, and this is just specifically pertaining to verse 4, and I'll actually read this, this one sentence from uh, John MacArthur's commentary on this partic- particular section. Their desertion of Christ and the gospel only proves that their faith was never genuine. No, no, don't <laughs> say it,
3: Ryan. What? This what? is great. He's is quoting it? MacArthur commentary. Isn't it? Yes. Isn't it? Because everyone
0: thinks I'm a hater on MacArthur, okay? Yeah. And here I am reading his words. Maybe it's because I value him. Are you gonna let me finish my sentence? Yes. I'm okay. just, sorry, I just Good.
3: you just brought a smile to my face. That's I could all. I
0: could feel your smile even though I was looking down <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and read this, reread the sentence if sorry. it's okay with you. Is yes, that okay? I'm sorry. All right, here we go. Their desertion of Christ and the gospel only proves that their faith was never genuine. And it has a cross-reference for Luke 8, 13 and 14 and first John two nineteen. So what this brings up for me is here recently. And I literally just forgot the guy's name. I know this would happen. He's upset the gram on Instagram. Uh, his name's like uh, Tim Ross or something. Or yeah, Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, recently I saw him say this and I know it's been posted around a lot over the last several months or whatever. Um, but he was talking about church hurt, which is kind of in, dude this, this literally, you know, we'll have to maybe curb this part of the conversation and keep it as, as nice as possible. Cause we, we got to talk about the fruits of the spirit, but He's basically talking about how there are people that are leaving church because they've been hurt by the church, and church hurt is this catch-all phrase now that if you've ever been told your sin was wrong or that no you you can't you know be a guy and date a guy or know any of these things, it, it also takes up people who were sexually molested by pastors or who had their money stolen from crooks inside the church or things like that. But it's all in this kind of this big catch-all category, right? But then he talks about these people that have been hurt by the church, and then he's like, and then they stop following Christ. They, they stop going to church and he kind of mentioned it. It's like, okay, if you get food poisoning from one restaurant, do you just say, I'm not going to ever eat at a restaurant again, or, Hey, I'm not going to eat at that restaurant again. And so his point that he was making, was like, no, 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 no. You were never in love with Jesus. If this is all it takes to get you to walk away from the faith, you were never in love with Jesus. You were in love with your church. You were in love with your pastor. And when your church or your pastor let you down, then that's kind of the thing, which gets us into this big, massive conversation, not just about church hurt, but about when do you get salvation? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Can it leave you? Like, yes, this is opening up the can of worms for once saved, always mm-hmm. saved those types of things, predestination to, to be able to accept those things, uh, uh, election, like it gets into all that, but, uh, I'm, I'm really glad you, you went back to verse four because there's a lot of discomfort there for me, because I tend to agree with what that guy said in terms of how he's categorizing these people. I was like, wait, wait, you know, if that's all it took for you to move away, then you were never really dedicated. Think about like, if your if your wife like didn't, you know, Move the laundry over when she said she would, or, you know, it was a little bit late uh, to come, you know, pick something up for you or something like that. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, we're getting a divorce. It's like, I don't know that you were ever really dedicated to that woman. If it takes something like that, that can get you kind of moved on. So I know I opened up a lot of can of worms. So y'all just feel free to jump in and let's get after it.
3: Like, Everybody looked at Ryan. Why didn't really Ryan look at Ryan? Everybody's Ryan, like, Ryan. do no no like, He say. said election predestination.
0: <laughs> you know what we're gonna do? I'm gonna make you wait. We're gonna make you marinate on those things, and we're we'll I would like guys, to marinate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you marinate. We So, so Derek or Eric, like, hop in here because, dude, there's a lot there wrapped up in that. I, yeah,
2: I'll give you just uh, my two cents. Uh, it's neither one side or the other, but um, you know, one of the things we've uh, that that I kind of uh, that I would that I've learned and grown up kind of believing is. You know, when, when Satan loses someone, okay, so I'm already jumping onto one side. When Satan loses someone permanently, then um, his job then shifts from not trying to prevent him from gaining salvation, but then ruining his life so that he's not an influence to anyone else. Right, to make him worthless. Yeah. So, that, so then when, when I see that, and, and as you say that, I, I do look at that possibility of, they walked away, Satan had his way with them and kind of destroyed their influence. And so that's just they're gonna they're gonna sneak in by the skin of their teeth, kind of thing, no rewards or whatever. You know what I mean? So I see that side of it. It's just a side. Any
1: thoughts? Hop in. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know exactly. Um, I mean I, I have a tendency to agree with that. I've never heard that statement, Kyle. I've never mm-hmm. heard that that concept of Hey, if, if that's all it took for you to walk away from the faith, from, to walk away from a relationship with Jesus, then did, you weren't really... Yeah, did you ever have it? Exactly. Yeah. That, that, that's the point. And, and I have a tendency to agree with that. Yeah. I have a tendency to agree with that. Because if, it, it, where does he talk? I mean, we're about to get into the fruits of the Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. But that is, hey, if you walk in the flesh, you live in the flesh. If you walk in, If you live by the Spirit, you walk in the Spirit. And so fruits are evidence of a healthy tree. And in this case, hey, if that's all it took, and you're a pretty unhealthy tree to begin with.
0: Well, Derek, let's go back a little bit before even what we're discussing. Because, yes, this does kind of go into the, the fruits of the Spirit, obviously. But then it gets into why, why would somebody feel like they were making the choice? I don't mean like in a free will sense, but why does someone feel like they're making the choice to turn away from Christ? And does it have something to do with the fact of how they accepted Christ in the first place Absolutely. or when they feel like yes. they accepted Christ Absolutely. in the first place? So is that the, is that the church camp thing? Like, yeah. I'm sure there's a category for that. Is that the, I went to, you know, a Hillsong concert yeah. or an elevation worship and, you know, I worship for an hour and a half and I was sweaty. And all of a sudden I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm you really ginned up in this emotional situation. Now I'm going to make an intellectual call based on emotions only. And then once the emotions wear off, which, which could be on the drive home or 10 years from then, like, is it like. I mean, it's not even them
1: just questioning their salvation because they're, they're choosing to walk away, right? It, true. So, so I think in my mind, what it comes to is what were the expectations when they accepted Christ? What, what, are, the, what are the expectations? Did they choose to follow a Christ that didn't really exist? And I, and I don't mean Christ obviously does exist and lives in us through the Holy Spirit. But what I'm saying is were, were their expectations of a God that they're walking into relationship with completely wrong? I mean, did they expect, hey, I'm going to accept Christ and as a result, this church will treat me perfectly I, and, and anywhere on that spectrum, right? Hey, I don't want my toes to get stepped on to um, somebody embezzled money or they got molested or whatever. Like, that's a huge spectrum that can happen to them. But did they expect that when I walked into a relationship with Christ that nothing bad is ever going to happen and I can do whatever I want because I was called to freedom, right? Yeah. Like, is this this false... Theology and understanding of what that actually means, walking into a relationship with Christ. I think it has to be at some point, right?
2: I think it's you know it's obviously important for you to understand why you're making that decision. I mean, you're exact. I was thinking of uh, moral therapeutic deism, Theism, yeah. Right? right? Yeah, it's just like God wants me to be happy, right? Well, I'm not happy, so God has failed me. I'm therefore I'm out. God has you. Know what you. Mean?
1: That's oh. it. Hey, I, I walked into a relationship with Jesus because nothing bad happens to good people. And I'm a bad, I, I mean, I'm a good person. So hey, let's, nothing. let's actually
0: keep ping ponging right here in this little triangle. And let's just, and just keep, keep Ryan him, over, keep there. Him over there. Right, <laughs> you just
1: keep marinating No, No, hop in here because there's, there's so
0: like Ryan, there literally, there's so much there that, that can be discussed because like every time you lift up one of the corners of one of these arguments, like it, it opens up not only, you know, <laughs> hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, of theology arguments, right? But it also opens up, you know, just your basic understanding of the human condition. And so, like again, it's almost like we're giving short shrift to this one particular scripture, but that's kind of the nature of the forging table.
3: So I'm I'm quoting Spurgeon again. Okay. So we're not responsible to God for the souls that are saved, but we're responsible for the gospel that is preached and then the way we preach it. Okay. And that's what it comes down to, is how are these people coming to Christ? Are they coming to Christ broken? Knowing that they are depraved human beings, they see the law. They know that they can never be the law, that Christ was the law. Like when, what was it? Christ, Christ is the law. I think that was, uh, you know, something that was a couple months back was a uh, kind of an issue that was coming around. Christ became the law. He actually walked it, lived it and did everything that needed to be done. And that's, that's our mirror, you know, and we got to realize that we're not there. You know, we never will be. That's why he's here. And so when people come to Christ based upon prosperity gospel, you know, like, oh, I want, I want to be out of debt, you know, or I want to be, um, I want to have money, I want to have the McMansion, or they come to Christ for healing. Oh, well, I feel like if I come to Christ, you know, all this sickness in me is going to go away. Well, what happens when you don't make that money and you don't have that healing? You never died to self because it's all about me again, it's not about Christ. If it was about Christ. You wouldn't walk away from that. But from the time that you believed it was about me. And so then it comes down to the salvation talk. Like I will always say, you know, you, you never had it, you know, but that's not my job. You know, my job isn't to go look at Kyle and go look at Eric and look at Derek and just be like, you know what? I wonder about their salvation. You know, I'm going to go and check your fruits all the time. That's, that's not me. I've you got know? a
1: checklist. Really, I've got I've got a checklist. Yeah, so, checklist yeah, of fruits? I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah.
3: No. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the thing is like i want to take you from your word, but I'm also going to watch your actions. It's the same thing you're going to do when when it comes to leaders within your church in your area. But there is church hurt out there. I mean, I've gone through church hurt. I mean,
0: yeah, I didn't I didn't mean to dismiss. You. I was fairly yeah. dismissive in how I described it, but yeah, yeah.
3: There's right. church hurt out there. You know, um, I, I went to a church. You know, you, no one ever wants to hear this isn't the place for you. You know, like if if I'm wrong, where I'm wrong, why don't you show me in the Bible where I'm wrong? Show me through Scripture where I need to learn. Be my shepherd, not my TED Talk pastor. And we, I, I feel like Christianity nowadays is all about the person. Like there's a there's a church that I went to that was all about God is for you, God is for you. But that's it. That's all they say is God is for you. Um, and it's like, what is God for? It makes you the point. It yeah, makes you the purpose. I'm like, you know, you know what God's for? God's for you to repent and believe. You know. That's what God is. Well, God, God's, God's, God's for, you. for His
0: glory, and He is glorified yeah. when you repent and when you die to self. Yeah, yeah. and so that's that's again. I, I think you said it. You know. Uh, maybe half hour ago when you're talking about, hey, the Bible's not about us. It's not the point. It goes back to whenever Matt Chandler went in and burned the house down at Elevation Church when he's mm-hmm. like, you're not David. Yeah. The story of David and Goliath is not about you and your struggles. Your struggles are not Goliath. You are not David. And he just said it. He's like, hey, if you were the one throwing the stone, you would have missed. Yeah. Well, they've got three stones. You would have missed every time. Like <laughs> it was about but, David's
3: faith. <laughs> but if if it's all about, if,
0: if God is for us, who can be against us? Yes, yeah. it, it is truth. And it is really fun to sing and it's very uplifting, but again, it takes us away from what I, what I think you're getting at, which is the authenticity of the message to begin with, because it's, that's where I guess I I struggle with seeker sensitive churches where they're, they're doing everything they can to lower the barriers of entry, which is good in and of itself in terms of getting people in the door, but you can't dilute the gospel Right. So great. Yeah. You know, if you want to play secular music in the parking lot, if you want to serve everybody's favorite coffee and all that to get them in the door, like I have no problems with that, but are you diluting the gospel? Are you also diluting the very next step, which is baptism discipleship, like all those different things that should be expected because discipleship doesn't come in a, thank you for coming to Jesus. Welcome packet that you take home with you. That's got some worship music in it. And you know, a stiff version of the Bible.
3: Well, it comes down to, I think the biggest problem in church today is pragmatism. It's like, well, this is working. Let's keep doing it. You know, and it's like, yeah, you may be getting people through the door, but how many are authentically coming to Christ? You know, if you've got so much church hurt that you, you came to somebody about their sin and they got so hurt that they're like, I can't come to this church anymore. They don't accept me for me. It's like, no, you know, we accept you as a believer who is like-minded to us, who says, I repent of my sin and my flesh and I'm coming to Christ. You know, and if you're not, if you're not doing that, you're not living out these fruits, you know, like, what's the point? What's the point of being a part of this community? You know?
0: Well, that's the other point. There is no such thing as community because how many modern churches don't actually have membership? Like I remember there was a church here in my community that's like, and you know, we ended up not going there for a myriad of different reasons, but whenever we went there and visited one, one Sunday, they were like, we are wiping the church scrolls clean. We are starting over because we want membership to mean something. And they didn't really have the processes in place to actually make it mean something, but the, the, the sentiment was correct to where it's just like, you can go to, you know, any, you know, whatever mega church around, and you can just be a person that goes in, but there's no requirements for membership. Like that's one thing, you know, and I talk about Joby Martin and uh, church 1122 down in Florida a lot because he basically tells people like, Hey, if you don't go on a mission trip within the first three years here, I need your seat yeah. because it's like Jesus's ministry was three years long. Okay. So if you're just coming here to absorb stuff, if you're just going to come in here to sponge off of my sermons or sponge off the music or sponge off of some of the facilities or different things that we do, that, that's not the whole point. That's not the point, sir. It's like, Hey, I need your seat. And a lot of people, you're going to get some mean emails when you yeah. send that to people, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's setting a standard, but we don't even have a standard of membership in, in most modern churches anymore because that's requiring too much of people. Right. It's like, oh, that's that's a little bit obtrusive. You're telling somebody like, Mm -hmm. hey, I I need you to do more than what you're doing, not like in the Judaizer sense, but just like, no, no, no. If if church is going to be a meaningful thing, if you're gonna be part of this ecclesia, like you're gonna be part of this ecclesia. You're not just gonna pop in when it's convenient for you and when you you don't have a lake weekend or football tickets or something like that.
3: I want non believers to pop in and soak it in. I don't want people who are already believers coming in just soaking it up and not and not adding to the community. You know, I that's I, I mean Even if you are a believer, I'm hard pressed to find a believer who doesn't want to get into their community and into their church and do something. I mean, like it's just a fruit, you know, that's a fruit to look at. Right. You know, it's like, man, I love the church that we go to. I want to do whatever I can to be a part of that church. I want to sacrifice where I need to, to be a part of this church because I love what it's doing. I love the, uh, I love what God's doing in that church and seeing people come to Christ through them. So, right. um, you know, I, I, I just feel like, you know, you're right on the church membership part. I mean, we're, everybody's moving away from that. I've, I've been on this group on, you know, Facebook that's a bunch of pastors and you have some pastors who were sending out emails, you know, to church members who haven't shown up, who are part of the community. And, you know, there's a lot of excuses going around and they're trying to be loving and they're trying to figure that out. But then I had other pastors chastising him chastising like this whole membership thing is is ridiculous you know like you don't know what they're going through blah 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 and it's just like come on man lift this guy up he's trying to hold the scripture you know but it's not pragmatic anymore
0: well and standards are really really offensive Derek I'm gonna let you hop in and get the last word on this section because we do need to move on to okay Fruits of got Spirit. it
1: two, two things one uh, Ryan if I hear you and Kyle what you're what I hear you say is number one can you truly accept Christ without understanding your own sin Without looking in the mirror. That's, I think that's the point that you're yeah, making, you right? you can. Yeah, I it's mean, impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. And so number two, what do we do about that? As men around this table, as men in our communities, in our churches, in our society, whatever it is, what do we do about that?
2: Well, I'll, I'll give you a thought, um, uh, two thoughts. Uh, number, number one, I was putting my little girl down to, to sleep several months ago, and she said uh, we were praying and talking, and I, uh, she leaned over. She goes, I love Jesus. And I was like, oh, that's real sweet, sweetheart. And I, 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 you know, it touched me. And then I was like, do you know why Jesus came? Um, And she was kind of blank and silent. And I was like, and so I, I, you know, it's not like we don't talk about the gospel. It's just that she was just saying that she loved Jesus because daddy loves Jesus, you Mm know? And so it just prompted me. I was like, you know what? We just, when we pray. I need to be working in some gospel messages into our prayers and things like that, because she needs to understand it she doesn't need to just have some social pressure from dad and mom or the 30 people that go down front at some camp in about in the next two or three, four years and feel compelled that she needs to make the decision because all of her friends are down there. Um, She needs to understand. And and really, and I was looking through here at, um, at the verses and I had some notes here. Um, One of the, One of the things that um what that was interesting and you tell me you cut me off if i'm going too long is um you know it talks about a little leaven leavens the whole lump you know there's several references to that the gospel is not meant to be watered down it's not meant to be palatable it's meant to to expose our sin right and then Mm -hmm. lead us to salvation and so we know that um that godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation and so Um, I I think that's really important. What you said is correct. You cannot, unless you understand where you are in relationship to the Lord God, then there's no way you can become saved on the, on one very practical thing. And I'll just ask if you got, what do you guys think about this is just um, about being able to communicate your testimony. Um, Is that how important that is that I'm not, again, it's not going to be a salvation thing, but it's just like, if you don't, if you cannot tell someone if you not explain the gospel and explain where you were and where you are now, like not that that disqualifies you, but shouldn't that be something that we emphasize with believers, new believers as a part of uh, discipleship.
0: When I think where, where it comes from and to, to maybe put a bow on this a little bit to, to even answer your question is when we're presenting the gospel. So thinking in terms of like presenting to your daughter, cause your daughter is what? Six, seven, seven. Okay. So when you're presenting the gospel, you present a gospel that is full throated, but not crushing. Yep. And so, because if a gospel doesn't have teeth, then it's it's not the gospel. But if it it's teeth that devour only, then that, that's not good either. It goes back to I remember uh, Mark Driscoll. I know we're not supposed to talk about Mark Driscoll, but he's super cancelled. That's where he took a no. picture with Ferdy. <clears throat> but yeah, <laughs> the but the thing about about he that he talked about recently is like you know you have to show your kids lion and lamb. That's what we talk about in Undaunted all the time. It's like, if you only look at Jesus as a lamb of God, you're getting a part of the gospel, you're getting part of the picture, but you're missing and enough, like you're technically missing 100% of the picture because your understanding is inaccurate. Okay. Because he's 100% grace, grace, 100% truth, 100% lamb, 100% lion. And so there is a way that you can present the gospel to a seven-year-old girl's heart where she feels convicted and uplifted. And I think that that is a very, very important thing when we're talking about what gospel are we preaching? Is it a prosperity gospel? Is it a, hey, just check these boxes gospel, or is it the truth of scripture? And, and again, guys, I, I do have to kind of, kind of push through to this section because, you know, I do want to make sure we get to the fruits of the spirit, but what, what, kind of precludes the fruits of the spirit starts in verse 19 where it says now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy fits of anger rivalries dissensions divisions envy drunkenness orgies and things like these i warn you as i have warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of god the reason why i wanted to set that up before the fruits of the spirit is the very first one listed with sexual immorality the word there is pornea or pornea that is the word where we get the word pornography, the first century hearer of that or reader of that in the Greek would have known that to mean every form of sexual immorality. So sex outside of wedlock, bestiality, homosexuality, orgies, like all these different things. And so when people say, you know, the New Testament doesn't really talk about uh, sexual immorality or Jesus never mentioned it or something like that, that's just kind of flat out wrong. But to get into the fruits of the Spirit, this is verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Okay. So a couple of questions here, which ones of these do you suck at the most? So that's, that's the first one. And then the second one, this is more of a preferential question. Cause I don't know. Cause I know everybody reads some different commentaries in here. There are people that think that this is a descending list of importance that they mm. think it starts with love as the number one, most important. And the second most important is joy. The third most important is peace. Well, let's actually start there. Like, cause I read that several places. I'd never thought about this as a descending order of importance list, but the people that, no, no, the, the people that wrote that were heavyweights and I'm not, i not going to, really? yes. And so I'm not going to name them because I literally can't remember which commentary I was reading that in, but I'm not reading fluffy commentaries. And they were like, this Love is the most important and behind it is joy. And behind that is this. I'd never heard that before. I don't want to get too far off into the weeds here. Cause I'm way more interested in the other question about which one do you suck at the most, but have y'all ever seen that? Like where I've descending never. order. Okay.
1: I've never heard that. Ne-
2: never.
0: You know, let's just never. move past that then. So I don't think it's best to think of I it in really that way.
3: Look at, I'm like, I'm going to be doing some research. <laughs> okay. on yeah. That. So just, look do some some that. Research. you said heavy hitters. Yeah.
0: But, but again, and I'll, I'll be able to find it uh, on the break, but, um, but again, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I got to tell you, when I read that list, I there's maybe no more convicting sentence in the Bible for me because I'm like, there are aspects of my everyday life where you couldn't check a single one of those boxes if you had to describe me. And like that, again, part of that's wiring, part of that's personality. But even if you're wired to be fairly aggressive, even if you're ready for war at all times and those types of things, these things should still be evident. And so for me, I just, if I'm being honest, there's not one on there where I feel like, yeah, aside from kindness with strangers, like I'm never just rude to people for the sake of being rude. I'm always going to give people the the benefit of the doubt. But the moment you give me something to to quabble or, you know, quabble about or something like that, I'm going to get after it. So, but for you guys, what do you think?
2: Well, for me, um, I I would I would put my I I was I was feeling really good because you put you said self control was the least. I didn't say work. that. That's I said least other people. <laughs> That's the least have important. So if you yeah. don't have that, it's because okay. sometimes yeah, I'm not right. very good at that. You know, uh, it was really interesting. My my wife and I took a um, I don't a personality test. It was this. Um, it was called a Taylor Johnson Temperament Analysis Test. I, wow, it just came Look back. At you, from, wow. it was like 18 Do you get years ago. Do you
0: get a percentage for everyone that signs up for the test? What's your promo code?
2: <laughs> just throw it out. <laughs> okay, promo code to Eric. If you're doing that super fancy test, guys. You know, but what was interesting about that is there were there were areas. It's kind of like the uh, what the Chinese symbols or whatever like the the, the snake and the bowl maybe to go together or whatever it is I don't I don't even know but but there were areas in our life where we complimented and we're and and when we took it we were like you know what we do we don't really quabble there but but then on this area of is it uh,
0: quabble or quibble by the way did I say I don't you said I don't know quabble is not a word I don't don't think think I think it's quibble quibble Bible. It's not that important, but I just yeah. I'm I just following my leader. You. Okay. Go, yeah. Okay. Great. I'm following you, you idiot. Go ahead. <laughs> but that wasn't
3: very loving. No, I was talking gentle. about me. I was yeah, talking to yeah. me.
0: I'm the idiot here. Okay. Can we just move on? We don't have to make this a big point, guys. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll just keep no. saying it. Yeah. No, it's no, good. No, good. I
2: just stop I, quabbling. I, I found that um, what where Lauren and I tended to have an issue was on um, just any kind of like if, if there was anger. Then we went from just a little bit of anger to boom, mm. like a lot of anger. Like there wasn't a whole lot of in between. And so we had to work really hard on trying to tame that down. Cause that, that's an area where you get me riled up, man. I, I don't, I don't have very good self control, especially with someone that's, They can get very angry. You don't really have gears. I'm looking at you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. That's funny as you're describing it because I'm like (laughs) I've never seen you angry, but like that's the thing is some people like that. There's no gears. So like for me I'm in I'm in neutral in the you know or I'm in park in the garage or I'm in sixth gear driving through the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Like it's just it's chaos.
2: Mm -hmm. Yep. But and I will say that the the root of that is going to be pride most of the time. Mm -hmm. You know and in our homes we we know how to pick on each other. We know how to get hit those little buttons in there. And so Mm -hmm. if somebody hits an area of pride in my life, that's where I tend to, I get a little
3: short. I think my problem is patience. Like, my kids will test my patience. Like, they move so slow. Like, you need to speed it up. And I catch myself just getting frustrated with them. It's like, man, I need to work on my patience.
0: What about outside? Because I think most people would echo that sentiment, regardless of their personality with their kids. So would you say that you're impatient outside of stuff with your kids, like at work or stuff with your wife? like?
3: Trying to think what I, outside of that, you know, because uh, it's funny, like Eric, hearing you talk if, about, if it's outside, I'm, I'm, I'm horrible at everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like, cause like, it's
0: funny y'all are saying that because Eric, I don't see the anger thing in your personality and I, I've never pegged you as an impatient person. And so that's the thing where I'm like, okay, that's, that's somebody from the outside that well, gets to see you.
3: But the thing is too, though, like, when are we going to be our realist? You know, sure, is that even one, a word? No one's around. Yeah, Is that, is that even a word? Well, I, I, yeah. I won't quabble about yeah. which word is. Let's it not quabble is. about being a realist. <laughs> it's bad. Um, yeah. That's Hashtag bad. quabble. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're, when we're with our families, that's when we're, that's when I think we need the fruits the most. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to treat somebody new like Derek or Kyle differently than I'm going to treat my wife or I'm going to treat my kids or my brother or my sister, you know? And so I think the fruits really come out more with the people that you're around every day. And so if there's, you know, I can be patient with anybody all day because that's just, you know, I wouldn't have kind. to deal with them anymore. Yeah. I don't right? have to deal with them. Yeah. yeah. But when I have to deal with my wife or I have to deal with my, my kids, I, I, I can lose my patience. And I think, I think that's why, you know, when we, when we look at these, when we look at this list, we look at our family life because, you know, I think that's when it's tested. So.
1: Eric, okay. What do you think? So uh, Ryan, I'll jump on that and then I'll talk yep. about me. Um. I think it was Amy Carmichael who uh, originally had the statement of, hey, when you take a container and you bump it, whatever comes out of it is originally what's inside of it. And, and I think if I hear you right, it sounds like that's what you're saying, right? Like, hey, I can keep the lid on around people that I don't know, new people, mm-hmm. work situations, this and that. But when somebody I know or I'm comfortable with bumps into me, oh, man, what's inside of me immediately spills out over the, and it's already there. Can I say it?
3: Yeah. When I let my hair down? Oh, it's different I, I, for oh.
0: those of you just listening to this. He has an astonishingly
1: little amount of hair
3: on his head, so it's, was, it's almost unfair. Okay,
0: that was bad. Yeah, uh, no, sorry. okay. <laughs> um,
1: okay, so for me, though, I would say for me, it's joy. Joy. Um, I, I, I'm not an overly joyful person. Um, I grew up in a house that, um, as an old, now that I'm older looking back, it was kind of negative like all the perspectives in the home were complaining or negative. And so it, the fact that I made it out without an overly negative perspective was kind of is, is impressive. Um, but it's easy for me to take that twist and look at the glass half empty or complain about something instead of in this case, purposefully choosing joy. Okay. So it's funny you say choose joy. Cause that is one of
0: my wife's favorite like statements. And it's one of the most annoying statements in the world to a guy Bingo. like me to where it's just like, choo- choose what? someone's like joy. And it's like, what does that mean though?
1: What does like, that mean? Does
0: joy mean contentment? Does it mean uh, perseverance, uh, in the face of negative circumstances? Is it resilience? Like, so what is joy? And I, I don't mean that like, uh, you know, philosophically necessarily go, go ahead, I like Ron.
3: what you said though. I think joy is, um, being content. Like my joy. Is that how you meant in. it, Derek? I,
1: I don't know if I meant content. I meant more thankfulness or gracious. That, I mean, that's another. Because it, it, I think about, I think in scripture when it talks about through praise and thanksgiving, we approach heavenly gates, right? I mean, it, without thankfulness and looking at what God's done for us. Here's a question. I had another men's group, right? Is if Jesus never did another thing for me the rest of my life, could I be thankful? If the rest of my life was incredibly horrible, horrible. Could I still be thankful?
3: Isn't that the point of being in the gospel? Isn't that? I mean, it's
1: an incredibly convicting statement. And so for that, I feel like I have to choose joy regardless of my circumstances. In the face of my circumstances, I can understand because in uh, James, I think it says, right? Consider it all joy, my friends, when you face trials of all kinds. And so, yeah, unfortunately, Kyle, I think it is. um, got to be happy, bro. See, I guess that's part of my thing is
0: Again, it, it comes back to wiring, but to a certain degree, like you should fight against your stripes because your stripes will be able to hold you down at some point. But it's like some people are happy just in the availability of things they like. And some people are happy in being able to attain and track down and hunt and capture the things that they like. And so that goes back to a competitive spirit, that goes back to, which I guess kind of back in. So I'm, I was just relooking at this list. I was hearing you guys talk. And of all of these, um, it's the gentleness piece. I know that's a shock to you guys. It's going to be the gentleness piece. Wait, this is for you? Yeah, this is, this is for me. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, no idea. Um, but that's the piece that it would be easier for people to say, okay, that is just an outpouring of stuff that's already in there already in you. Where does that aggressiveness come from? Where does that whatever? But, you know, Eric, when you and I were doing some Bible study stuff years ago, you were talking about William Farrell and how he's just like this hyper aggressive mm. church father and like he was just an absolute gangster. And the thing about it is, is this goes back to a story and then and then we'll likely uh, have to wrap up after with some final thoughts from you guys. But there was a guy, I don't think I've talked about this before, if I have, go ahead and stop me. But there was a, a guy who I respected more than anybody else. He was like my main business mentor. always went to him with, you know, leadership and management and advice that I wanted and things like that. A, a local guy here. And one day I came in into his office and we had a meeting and he was like so jazzed up by, by the meeting and everything that happened. But then the next time we met like a month later, he was less jazzed up and I couldn't really perceive why. And then the next time we met, he kind of explained to me what had happened the last two times he and I had met. He goes, Kyle, a couple of months ago, you were in here and you got me so energized and so revved up and so like ready to go. Like I was ready to run through a brick wall and you were the same the next time we met and it was exhausting to me, like that level of intensity and aggression and all that. And he goes, you know what? When I walk into a room, I always calm the temperature down. Like, that's my style. And he basically said, Kyle, you need to try to do that. Like, you need to try to be that person. And at the time, I'm young. Like, I'm in my probably mid-20s, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is maybe the smartest person in in all of business, and this is one of my mentors. And he's like, basically, you you need to be more like me. And it took me years before I realized, like, no. Like, God didn't make me like you. Like, I'm not the guy that comes into the room and makes everyone feel comfortable. I'm the guy that comes in the room and makes everybody feel challenged. And that's not always great for everybody. And I certainly don't do that perfectly. But can you imagine if I tried to change who I was? Like, if if I was, you know a zebra that all of a sudden tried to be a fish. It's like, no, like I wasn't made for that environment. I wasn't made to do that. I was made to be really good at being a zebra or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's kind of, that kind of goes into this as well. That is not an excuse you guys to look at this list and see the thing that you're the worst at and be like, wow, it's just who I am. God made me this way. But at the same time, like your wiring is there for a positive purpose for his glory. Go. Absolutely.
1: And I think that there's a time and a place, right? Like, I don't think that Paul reads this list and says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So Kyle, when you go into jujitsu, I want you to be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle. And, you know what I mean. Definitely I think gentle. that there's a yeah. there's a time and a place. If you're talking <laughs> yeah. about gentleness, but with your young boys, can you be gentle? Yes, you can. With your wife, can you be gentle when the time it, it, when it's time for that? And I think yes, you can. And so therein is a fruit of the spirit in its appropriate time. I mean, Psalm one talks about a tree planted by uh, rivers of water who produces fruit in its own season. And so this is fruit and it produces fruit in its season. So you're not going to produce all of these all the time. I think that's an unreasonable expectation. And to your point, hey, just because maybe joy is one that I struggle with, doesn't mean I'm never going to produce joy. And it doesn't mean I have to be joyful all the time in each season. One, it's
0: a tool that can be deployed in, in the correct situation. And yes. so that's like, you know, in, uh, when, when I was talking about Mark Driscoll, he was talking about uh, one of the things that will help natural lines learn how to be more like lambs is when they have daughters. And so like all of you guys have daughters, I only have sons. And so, so that's a little bit different, but that's kind of one of those things as well. It's like you learn, but he also talked about like, if you are a natural lamb and you're incapable of being the lion, that is just as dangerous mm-hmm. because there are going to be lions that are going to come from you for your daughter and you're not going to be able to fend them off. And society is going to tell you that's a good thing because you know, if you're more like a lion, like that's toxic and you don't want to be that guy, but there's nothing virtuous about a weak man that is incapable right. of being being a lion and and that gets off into a bunch of other things. But guys, this has been a great discussion, but we're going to have to leave it there. I know there's more to be said, but guys, I want to make sure that you come back next Sunday where we are going to dig into Galatians 6. And if uh, there was anything that we left on the table, we may bring that up when we get into the discussion of of Galatians 6, but make sure you guys read Galatians 6 so you're prepared to hop in with us next week. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost At on to life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So the one link I've got for you today is our donation link. Guys, if you like stuff like the forging table, if you like the stuff that we do with the rest of the podcast. We cannot pull this off without you guys. We are mainly ran by donations in this ministry, so we need you guys to partner with us. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just you shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band august burns red for allowing us to use their music for our content the music on this podcast is our song cutting the tides which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album leveler the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah